0: Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're members of the Tennis Channel podcast network. And Mike, as the season is nearing a close, uh, we've wrapped our unofficial fifth slam of the season. Indian Wells is in the books. It's been ages since we saw this tournament, but we have two first time winners and perhaps maybe our most surprising uh, event in the history of the tournament, I would say.
1: You mean, Ben, that you didn't call the Bedosa-Nori um, wins on the men's and, and women's side? Is that is that right?
0: They weren't fully on my radar. I will take partial credit that I, I believe Paula Bedosa was my dark horse pick back at the U.S. Open. So now she's coming to fruition here at Indian Wells. But uh, we do have a couple of great guests this week uh, on the episode. I spoke to Steve Wiseman. Um, You'll know him as the host at the Tennis Channel desk, frequently interviewing athletes. And he was working the event in the desert in California. And Mikey also spoke spoke to a super fan who is officially Twitter famous, I think we can say, for her epic tennis selfies with players. Lawanda, you had a chance to chat with her, too.
1: Yes. At Lawanda 50 on Twitter. And I feel like if you're a member of tennis, Twitter, you know, that club that just loves getting into the ins and outs of the sport on social media, you already probably know who she is. And I think she just raised her game a notch with the attention she received in Indian Wells. So yeah, sort of a, a fun, lighthearted chat with her about her tennis fandom and the players she chatted with. And and you had that great chat with Steve Weissman, who has spoken with everybody in the sport over the past few years in, in his role. I gotta say, kind of envious of the access he has and and how smooth he is at, at at pulling all that off. And uh so kind of a great one-two punch, I think, between them, a nice way to wrap up Indian Wells and uh to get back to those two winners, I mean, didn't expect them to be hoisting the, the respective trophies. And yet, if you look at what they've done in 2021, it's not as surprising as if you'd told us this back earlier in the season, really.
0: Yeah, look, Cam Nori and Paula Bedosa are two wonderful examples of players enjoying just immense breakout seasons and kind of figuring everything out in 2021 and having their games click and we've seen the progression of great play from both of them nori with his fantastic season on the men's side he's right in the mix in that atp race right now and paula vedosa soaring to number 13 in the rankings after this title um, against victoria azarenka i kind of wrapped through all of it with steve Weisman. so without further ado uh, here's my interview with steve Weisman, host at the tennis channel This week on the podcast, very happy to be joined by Tennis Channel host Steve Wiseman, uh, who recently helped bring all the action from Indian Wells into the homes of tennis fans worldwide, Canadians included. Steve, thanks so much for joining us on uh, Matchpoint Canada. I know it's your first time being with us, so uh, happy to have you here.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I've I've, uh, followed along and a big fan of Canadians in general. So uh, (laughs) happy to be here, Ben, and, and hopefully I'll be able to catch up with Mike in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, we hope so. You're definitely going to win over some Canadian fans uh, with those kind words, I'm, I'm sure. Um, I'm interested, actually, just about your career, because were, were you a tennis player growing up? Have you always been interested in the sport? Because I, I know you've worked, obviously, at ESPN in the past. What got you on the tennis side of things? And is it something you've always been into?
2: Yeah, no, I started playing probably when I was... Eight years old. Okay. Um, my, my brother and one of his friends went out to a court, and so I kind of tagged along with whatever he did growing up. And um, you know, that became the sport that I was best at. Uh, I, I played basketball probably earlier than anything, um, and a bunch of sports, but but tennis was what I was best at. I started training year round for it. Uh, I played number one singles at my high school, my junior and senior year, and played you know junior tournaments stuff like that. And um, so I've just always loved it. I grew up going to what was at the time the leg mason tennis classic in dc it's now the city open you know got my first autograph from andre agassi there love it Um, you know saw michael chang play saw jim courier play and um all those folks and so you know just always been a big fan and uh when i was at espn one of the things other than hosting sports center i always wanted to any opportunity to do tennis you know i i wanted to do and so um, uh Don Colantonio, who was an executive there, gave me opportunities to do the Direct TV mix. And so I hosted that for the Australian Open and Wimbledon and the U.S. Open for about five years. And, you know, met Chanda Rubin there, met Mark Woodford there and uh, met the Jensen brothers. And so uh, just, you know, really helped. And then, you know, when I left ESPN, Mark Woodford actually lives out in the desert and uh, was a huge reason why I was able to get out there, eventually connect with Tennis Channel. And the uh, Indian Wells 2015 was my first gig with Tennis Channel. And so now, you know, six years later, um, it's been an amazing journey. And I'm just, you know, so thankful for it.
0: Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So I assume coming back to Indian Wells, it probably has a special place in your heart as as one of your favorite tournaments of the year, I would imagine.
2: Absolutely. I, I love it there. It, it's first class all the way around. It's the one tournament actually Ben, where the media gets to uh, be in the same dining as the players. And so the food is insane. Like I'm a big foodie. So I go in and my routine is based around getting my omelet, my iced mocha. Then after I host TC live, coming back, getting my acai bowl, then, you know, doing a bunch of interviews, and then coming back and getting sushi. And then obviously, um, you know, you've got Spago over stadium one, one night, uh, one of my greatest experiences two years ago when I was there, it was, I had lunch with Wolfgang Puck and he like made me his Schnitzel and was like pouring me wine. And, you know, I get to spend basically an hour or two with one of, you know, the OGs of the chef game. And he, he was so nice. He's a huge tennis fan. And then you've got Nobu on stadium two. Um, So yeah, I mean, I I love it. They call it tennis paradise for a reason. And, uh, you know, it's close to me living in LA and all the greatest players are there. And it's just, it's a, it's a good contrast to me living at the beach, uh, being, you know, in the desert, they're they're both beautiful and kind of a nice escape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly on the bucket list for us, if we can ever get out there, it's definitely (laughs) going to be a key destination and a tennis tournament we would love to see live. And, um, love to get your thoughts on, on the last two weeks because it's been a wild ride, probably the most unusual tournament I can recall in terms of results. And we'll begin on the men's side because, um, you know, we had two players outside the top 20 meeting in the final, Nicholas Basilashvili, Cam Norrie wins the biggest title of his career. Just the sense as the tournament was going along, did you get any vibes that we were in for sort of, Uh, a weird one in terms of results and and an odd final. Did you expect it at
2: all? I don't know that I expected it, but not having the big three there, it's kind of wide open in terms of, you know, who who is going to come out on top. Um, Having this tournament at this time of year, I think made for a difference just in terms of the fact that this is the event normally in March where you kind of determine how the rest of the year is going to go. And now being in October, uh, it's just a different vibe. You know, all the majors are done. A lot of players are, are are tired. You know, it's been a long season. It's been a long two years in general. So, um, and the conditions were a little different in terms of, in fact, uh, the tournament doctor came on and had an interesting point because all the golf courses in Palm Springs, they changed the grass at this time of year uh, from bent grass to rye and they they shave them all down and that created a lot of allergies. So a lot of players were were dealing with that. Um, but it, it was fascinating to watch and to see. I think, you know, Andy Roddick and James Blake made great points about how, you know, the Zverevs, the Sitsipasas, and the Medvedevs are not the Rafas, the Rogers, and the Djokovic's in terms of they're not going to get to every final. They're not going to get to every semifinal, uh, at, at least yet. They're just not mentally built that way. And so it gives, you know, more opportunities. And, Uh, This was the first time ever that we had four guys in the semifinals ranked outside the top 25 at a Masters 1000. But in talking to Cam Norrie multiple times, I mean, this is a guy who turned his life around at TCU um, and and got really focused and professional. And when somebody tells me when I say, you know, congratulations, you're the new British number one, and they kind of play that down and their focus is on being world number one. That says a lot to me. So this is just, you know, another step in the process for him. Um, but, you know, it was great to see Andy Murray and talk to him and, and see him get some good wins and just show a really high level. Um, you know, I, I, I love this event. I, for me, I like to see new stars. I, I'm fine with the upsets. Um, it was awesome to see Taylor Fritz, you know, break through to make his first Masters quarterfinal, semifinal. I think that was a big step, you know, for him. Once again, Jensen Brooksby doing some special things. Mm-hmm. So there were some good stories on the American side. And there's just always going to be stories like none of us, you know, are uh, essential, I guess I would say, in terms of father time's undefeated. Somebody's always going to step up and somebody uh, there, there will always be new stars and, and new beautiful stories on both sides.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, and for me, I think Nori is a beautiful story. You see the way his career has progressed this season. I, I was looking at win totals for the ATP and my, my goodness, this guy's number three yeah. on the year and wins 47. That's that's unbelievable. And uh, obviously speaks to the, the level of tennis. He's playing very tricky left-handed player. Um, you mentioned the big three who were not there. And yeah, I, I think, I guess that's becoming sort of the fascinating question as we advance, you know, 2022, 2023, what is the state of the game on the men's side going to look like? Do you think we, I, I feel this way, I want to get your take, but do you feel like we're, we're going to be settling in for a lot of parody and a lot of different names winning titles and, you know, just even in, in the next couple of years.
2: Totally. I agree with that, Ben. I, I think that, there's no, you know, doubting that Djokovic had an insane season and he could go out and win multiple majors again next year, right? I mean, he, he was one match away from winning the Grand Slam. I mean, the first mm-hmm. since Steffi Graf overall and the first since Rod Laver on the men's side. So I don't want to downplay the fact that he was insanely successful this year and I'll never, you know, go against Roger Roth. When they come back, they're the GOATs. So can they win more majors? absolutely that wouldn't surprise me at all that said i feel like we've reached this seminal moment where the big three no longer have a stranglehold on the big titles um other other folks are going to be winning masters and other folks are going to be winning majors when medvedev took out djokovic at the u.s open you know that that said something to me um the fact that rafa lost it at roland Garros, to even though it was to djokovic i mean still that's you know that's uh, that says something to me. Could he go out and win you know two more titles in Paris in the next couple of years? Absolutely, but they don't have that stranglehold in my opinion. Um, the aura isn't as great as it once was. Uh, the Medvedevs, the the Zverevs, and the Sitsipasses are so insanely talented. And then you know you've got the rest of the the top ten and beyond. I mean, Cam Norrie's a guy that started at seventy one in the world this year, and now he's inside the top fifteen. He's eight. Uh, or not eight, I think that's Bedosa, but he's like 10 in the race 10 to in turn. the race, yep. Uh, so really one spot out because Rafa's not going. Um, and that's, that's just an incredible ascent to me and to see him make his sixth final, get all those wins that you mentioned. I mean, he has more wins this year than Novak Djokovic. He's the same amount of finals as Novak Djokovic. And now this massive title, uh, I think everybody else just has a lot of confidence knowing that it can be done. And, you know, credit to, to Medvedev for kind of paving that path and saying these guys don't own it anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, to be fair, I, I thought Medvedev, he, he looked early on like he was going to be just cruising to this title the way he was playing. He seemed to carry over, um, you know, that level that he had at the U.S. Open. We saw it at Labor Cup. And. For me, the, honestly, the biggest surprise beyond a Cam Nori title was a sudden resurgence of Grigor Dimitrov. And um, this is a player who I've, I've loved to watch. I think he has such a great aesthetic game. Uh, but we haven't seen this level in a very, very long time. Um, what did you make of his stunning run and just flipping a match around against a player like Medvedev where he looked, you know, dead in the second set?
2: Yeah, I, it it was amazing. Uh, he told me after I talked to him, I think three times during the tournament and first and foremost, he's just a really great guy. Um, easygoing, very positive and, and just uh, emits like a, an, an incredible aura. Uh, also the one of the best wrist candy game, uh, games in, in tennis. I mean, if you see like, there's like three Van Cleef and Arpels, some other gold stuff going on, the Rolex on the other wrist. I mean, he's a rock star. Um, yeah. But on the court, uh, he loves Southern California. He told me, listen, he, he moved here when he was like 14 uh, to go to academies. He he feels at home here. He stays with friends in the area. Uh, it started in San Diego, you know, where he made that semifinal run there and kind of I- increased in this event. And against Medvedev, he was just like, I, I kept believing in myself. I, I knew I could do it. Um, I thought... You know, he was down and out, but to, to come back there and then to make another incredible comeback against Hubie Hercotch in the next round, I I thought he I thought he was going to do it again. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see somebody like Gregor, who's been three in the world and mm-hmm. won, you know, the ATP finals. To, he's, he's not old, in my opinion. I don't think 30 is old. Nope. Uh, so I think he still has a lot of good years. And he's somebody that physically, you know, he told me is, is right there. So he can... Played for three hours. It's not a big deal. He was dealing with some of those allergies that I mentioned earlier uh, that were affecting him. But in terms of physicality, I mean, he is one of the best athletes on the ATP tour and uh, it was, it was awesome to to see him do that and to, to be able to, you know, speak to him and, and kind of see him in that positive place again, because, you know, it's been tough uh, for him. You know, tennis is a, is a tough sport where most of the time you're losing every week. And yeah. um, you know players I, I have a ton of respect for the, the guys and the girls um, who are able to 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 come out and, and, and keep pushing you know this deep into a season
0: yeah, yeah, certainly, and and sometimes it's almost about compartmentalizing those losses and moving on to the next week, you really have to have a different mindset uh, to play the sport at a high professional level. Um, we'll shift over to the women's side. And it's interesting. You noted that Cam Nori started the year 71 because I looked at Paula Bedosa's end of year ranking from 2020 and she was number 70. So yeah. very, maybe a bit of a similar path. And obviously she's similarly had an unbelievable breakout season. Was she maybe on like, the TC Cruz kind of dark horse radar going in a, a player who could potentially make some noise, but not one you really saw winning a title.
2: No, I mean, absolutely. Yes. Uh, on the radar and somebody I, I thought could win the title. I've, okay. I've gotten the pleasure of, of speaking to Paula throughout the year. So the first time um, we spoke was in Charleston and it was after she got her first career top 20 win. That was against Belinda Bencic. And, you know, that was a big moment for her because this is somebody who was a former junior number one, former Roland Garros junior champion, had a ton of success and then admittedly battled depression, battled anxiety and uh, has been open about that. And honestly, it's, it's, it's very helpful for all that, you know, we're talking about now with mental health um, to see and, and hear from her having gone through that, that and then to have a year like she's had this year where then it started with a complete nightmare, you know, she, she goes, gets to Australia is on the plane with somebody that tested positive for COVID. So is was in the initial lockdown Then seven days into that, she tests positive for COVID. So that adds another 14 days. She's in, in a hotel room by herself for 21 days. Um, that was, <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, and for, to see her come back after that, stay positive, you know, get to the, the semifinals in Charleston. She beat Ash Barty. And I remember after the match, it wasn't just about beating Ash Barty. She told me one of her goals secretly was to get more aces in a match than Ash. And she did that. Um, and then I spoke to her in Paris where she made her first quarterfinal at a major. So that was another, you know, stepping stone, big moment for her. And so in this tournament, you know, she plays well on, on, a, on a slower surface. She's certainly got the game, the athleticism, and as she kept progressing through, I was like, you know, why not? You know, why not, Paula? Um, because I just believe mentally we see her, you know, she points to the head. And I remember Stan Vavrinka used to do that back in the day. And she has – her mentality is just so strong. You know, obviously her game is amazing. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just really proud of her and, and everything she's done this year. And to, to see that progress she's made in one year, you say start at 70 – now she's eighth in the race to Guadalajara, likely to make the WTA finals, biggest win of her life. She, she obviously won a title earlier this year, but this one at the 1000 level. So, um, you know, I, I see major titles in her future. I, I, I really do. Um, she seems to have that focus and that, that strength, um, having been through so much, to overcome that. And I think that gives her a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, and um, you you can tell the level of respect between two opponents, her and Azarenka. The embrace at the net, I thought that was terrific. You have a a battle that lasted over three hours, and they played an unbelievable set point, actually, the end of that first set, too, in that tiebreak. Just going blow for blow uh, from the baseline was was incredible to watch. Um, I I think Tennis Channel does a great great job of this in in capturing different storylines even when we are missing stars like you know Barty is not there osaka is not there the williams sisters are not there but we always have great storylines emerging um through the week and for me one of the biggest storylines was uh anjabur who is now breaking into the top 10 and the first arab player male or female to ever reach the top 10 this is actually for me i don't i don't know about you but a pivotal milestone uh for tennis internationally,
2: absolutely, Ben. I I think Ons is such a lovable player. Uh, her game is incredible. Andy Roddick was saying how she's become one of his favorite players to watch, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that, and also the fact that you see her after every match, whether she wins or loses, it's hugs at the net. It's not just yep. handshakes. So everybody, she's beloved on tour. Um, another player that I got to know in Charleston this year, who you know was making these steps along the way, and. At the beginning of the year told, told me no more quarter she was always getting to quarterfinals not getting past that and it was like no more quarterfinals and she made the semi no more semifinals finals so what does she do then she goes off and wins her first title and so i talked to her uh, at indian wells and, and she's like remember what i told you and i was like yes and i was like what now and she's like no more finals i want titles now and um and then took that to the next level and said, you know, now that she's top 10, I was like, how about that, you know, Chris Everett world number one trophy? And she's like, yes, that's what I want. You know, <laughs> And I, when a player is that honest and, 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 and has these goals and certainly has the capability of reaching them, um, I appreciate that. It, she's always such a pleasure to, to speak to. She's so honest and, and on the court. She's a revelation, right? I mean, like I love her game. Um, she does a little bit of everything, yep. and like you mentioned, is is such a trailblazer. I mean, people look up to her. She's she's carrying the weight of an entire region, you know, basically. Um, the first from Tunisia, the first Arab player, um, and she's such a great ambassador for for that and for our sport in general. Um, and so I was I was super happy, uh, you know, to see her make a deep run here and. Uh, another player that you know will likely see in the WTA finals and and will be you know one of those stars for I think years to come
0: yeah yeah I think so as well well we'll just a couple more questions for you We'll I have to get your Canadian take on a couple players here specifically the one who had of course the incredible run at the U.S. Open reaching the finals and for me, Layla Fernandez, I thought she did quite a solid job backing it up, but uh, you can probably attest to this just being there in the desert. Um, Layla feels like a rock star.
2: Yeah. So I have a Layla story for you. I couldn't wait to tell it. I was like, all right, I'm going to <laughs> Canada. Like, I, yep. So um, early in the event, uh, they had me do uh, an Instagram takeover for Tennis Channel's IG account. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to create content and videos and show everybody what was happening around the grounds and so like i mentioned i always go to the player dining get my omelet get my coffee so i I saw layla and i was like this would be cool like she's got her eggs to to do a little video you know what's the breakfast of champions sort of thing and i had noticed because i had the tennis channel account that she's like the first one to watch all of our stories and (laughs) like all of our stuff and so i so i was like hey layla it's steve she's like hey I was like, thanks for like looking at everything. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, do you mind if we shoot, you know, a little piece for the Instagram takeover that I'm doing today? And she's like, absolutely. And so I shoot this whole thing and it's like Breakfast of Champions. She's like, oh, I get my eggs and scrambled eggs with, uh, I don't know, I think it was like peppers and maybe onions um, and orange juice, you know? And it was great. And she was so charming. And so then... Me being like not really social media adept, uh, was trying to post it and I deleted the whole thing. Ben, oh. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, is the, this is the Like, I'm starting the day, you know, with this with Layla Fernandez, like, she was a finalist, <laughs> this is gonna kill it, they're gonna love this. And so, I'm like completely crestfallen. And so, Layla's out now in the where you like sit down outside, and so she's by herself. And so I go up to her and I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really sorry, but I totally messed up the IG. I deleted it. Like, would you mind doing it again? And she's like, oh, for sure. No problem at all. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm a fan for life now. You're the yep. coolest. You shot the whole thing again. She had the same energy um, about her scrambled eggs and her orange juice and was just so cool. And so, um, you know. Canadians should know that Layla is amazing. Not to mention the fact that she's awesome on the court. I love her game. Um, she's such, we talk about fighters and mentality. I love the way she gets the fans into it. Um, you know, uh, she's, she's got that, that spirit, you know, that, that few have. Um, and she's easy to root for, in my opinion. And so uh, after my personal experience and just, you know, enjoying watching her, um, that's, that's my Layla Fernandez take.
0: <laughs> I love that story. I'm, I'm picturing uh, that that awkward second moment of the the difficult approach. Be like, oh, about what we just shot. Can we <laughs> do this again? Um, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I, I find like fans seem to just resonate with uh, the way she carries herself on the court. And she did a great job of that at Indian Wells. Um, I'm pretty OK with her first loss post-US Open finals being 7-6 in the third to Shelby Rogers. And she uh, also made a great team with Coco off um they won a couple matches in in women's doubles as well i'll ask about one other canadian because we haven't seen her on the court in quite some time but we've seen you next to her on the panel is uh Jeannie bouchard and um you know she's she's joined you guys for some media duties and i know she's been recovering from shoulder surgery just with your conversations with Jeannie, um what sense do you get for her eagerness to maybe get back on the court and and play again
2: Oh, I mean, she's she's chomping at the bit like she, she did, to her, like no, I'm not saying she doesn't want to be with us because she loves it and she's sure. awesome and we love having her. But she wants to be playing tennis uh, this week. She's getting she's meeting with her doctor and, um, you know, going to going to see how the shoulder's doing and um, hopefully start hitting again soon. And, you know, she's been rehabbing really professional about all that and, um, you know, wants to wants to get on the court as soon as possible she was signed up for world team tennis we'll see hopefully she can play there um you know not sure it's all it all depends on the shoulder but she was a total pleasure to work with uh i'd worked with her a little bit um i think just one show before indian wells um but you know it gets better every single time she does it she wants to be the best she has that you know mentality of you know top five major finalist tennis player in, in every, in everything she approaches. And so, you know, it's just, it's really cool to have her on set. It was fun to do um, an Instagram live with her where, you know, I was on set and she was walking around the grounds. Um, You know, I have nothing but good things to say about Jeannie. um, And, you know, I really hope, I think she is going to, I want to predict a major title for her because honestly, what she did before she got hurt. I mean, she made the finals in Guadalajara. Like I saw it progressing, and I was so proud of the fact that before that she went down to 80k, 60ks, mm-hmm. you know, no ego, and was working her way back on that level. And her game was there again. And then unfortunately, you know, had that injury. But um I I see that fire, I see that desire, and and I see big things on the court for Jeannie in the near future, and I see. Huge things for her when she's done and hopefully she comes back to Tennis Channel um, because she'll be a megastar um, in, in that aspect as well. And and it, it was just it was cool to to get to know her and and um, you know, because I'd really only, you know, seen her on the court before and kind of like Layla, I'm you know, gonna be a, a huge fan, you know, supporting her going forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know she's really been putting the work in and, and credit to her. I, I like to point out before this injury, um, the results were really coming. As you mentioned that final that she made earlier this year, and we saw great results in 2020, she made another final there and, and was winning matches again. So I think, I think when she is healthy again, the level can definitely be there and, uh, we can see uh, a bit of the genie of old, uh, Steve, I hope we get to see you again here on match point Canada. This was a delight and, uh, we love following your coverage on, on tennis channel. You do such a great job. So, so thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Ben. I have to make two more quick Canadian shout outs because yeah. my, my love for all Canadians, Julie Stewart banks. I don't know if you follow her at all. Yeah. Uh, but she, you know, she's been at Fox sports and ESPN and she was actually my roommate uh, in LA when I first moved here and does an awesome job uh, hosting a, a show on Fubo TV. Um, and it's just, you know, kills it in everything she does and Adnan Burke who I worked with at ESPN for a while. Uh, started his career in Canada and is now uh, killing it on on MLB network and NHL network. And all the Canadians that I've ever, you know, come across are just great humans. And so, um, you know, props to your country.
0: (laughs) Love those kind words. I grew up watching Adnan Virk on on the score and headline sports. So uh, him and I go way back. uh, Just the image of him. I haven't actually met him, but uh, we appreciate the shadows. Yeah.
2: You know, posthumously, it, John Saunders, when I was at ESPN, uh, was, was a mentor to me and, and, and really helped me, uh, kind of find my way there. And, um, you know, that, that guy I grew up watching was, was an absolute legend, uh, in, in the broadcasting business and would, you know, take time out. I, I really haven't had any mentors in, in broadcasting other than, than John. And obviously, you know, tragically isn't with us anymore, but, uh, he, he played a big role in, uh, in, in giving me confidence in, uh, in what I do. So just another, just another Ryerson legend.
0: I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the, the shout out and the kind words. And uh, I, I'm sure Canadian fans are, gonna, are going to want to have you back on our program. So thanks so much, Steve.
2: You got it. Anytime.
0: There you have it. My interview with Steve Wiseman, who is uh, showing a ton of love to Canada. So I hope our Canadian listeners appreciate that. And we do have a lot of great broadcasters who've started off here uh, in Canada and gone uh, across the United States and carved out fantastic careers. Cool that he was also like always in the sport in tennis. It makes me kind of appreciate his knowledge anymore that he's covering it. So he has a true passion for it, which is great.
1: Yeah, when he said he was the number one singles player at his high school, uh, it it always gets me because I feel like everyone we talked to at some point played high level tennis, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether it be um, Steve or um, I mean, even yourself, you play tennis at a level that I never thought I would I would get to. And you still play tournaments all the time. And, And and for me, I just wish one day we'd get a guest on who I could relate to on that level and would say I was the high school you know, mixed doubles player. And I'll be like, yes, (laughs) you're my guy or you're my girl because that's what I can relate to. But uh, yeah, great to hear his attachment to the sport and uh, a nice chat. He went uh, pretty long with you on that one. So, and in a good way in terms of sharing his depth of experience from Indian Wells this year.
0: Yeah, I think forging some great relationships with with all of the players. And one of the questions we did kind of hit on on the men's side, and obviously, you know, we talked about the the title from Cam Norrie and the storylines, but I I guess what the tour is going to look like, and maybe what we have to get used to as we slowly transition away from the big, big three. And, you know, Steve has pointed out, of course, Novak, Nadal. I don't know about Roger, that one is a, a bigger question mark for me especially but certainly Djokovic can win more slams certainly um, Nadal is planning another comeback and I wouldn't count him out at the French Open but especially outside of the slams these other Masters 1000s the ATP 500s all the other tournaments feel just right for the picking for so many players and you know we talk about the depth on the women's tour there's a lot of depth on both tours right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of parody is what we're seeing on both sides. For the women's game, it's been like that for, for some time. And on the men's, it's it's kind of new. And great to see someone like Cam Nori winning. And uh, maybe surprising to say the top 10 didn't live up to their expectations outside of the big three. This is their, you know, this is their time to show what they can do. And I think they're feeling some of that pressure. And I was thinking about it and and just wondering those top 10 guys, those next gen guys, Medvedev, CC Pass, etc., et cetera they've got a whole lot more responsibilities when they have to carry a tournament from a media standpoint, from a sponsor standpoint, mm-hmm. social media obligations, fan interactions that they wouldn't have had to carry at the same level. If you had Novak, Roger and Rafa there, and maybe they're feeling that added pressure and it's detracting from what they're able to do on the court and allowing some of those players who are more in that outside the top 15, outside the top 20, like a Cam Norrie to kind of seize that moment. because No offense to Cam Norrie, but I don't think he's in demand at the same level as those other young players that I I mentioned there.
0: No, look, and if you ask the casual sports fan, how many people know Cameron Norrie? This is not a name we know, whereas I I think we're starting to learn the names of the next-gen players. Daniel Medvedev, of course, uh, his name is more and more noticeable for just sports fans in general when you win the U.S. Open, but you you make a good point. Um, A handful of these guys do seem like, quite vulnerable at certain times stefano pass for me i look at the second half of his season after he made the french open final and it feels like he is in a bit of a downward trend right now we haven't seen consistent results from him wimbledon was a first round exit u.s open was disappointing going out in the third round to carlos alcaraz so he it feels like has taken a notch back and right now he holds that number three spot in the rankings i, I think we're so used to when you think of big three we were always seeing them in finals playing for titles if not finals at least semifinals and that's just not the case right now with this era and this generation and we want that consistency as well from our Canadian players but I don't think that's the scope right now on the men's side and it's just not working out that way
1: yeah and you know what I think back to like the late 80s early 90s when I was growing up and the men's tour had you know, a good group of 10 to 15 players that were trading off, right? You had not only Sampras, Agassi, the Americans, Courier, and Chang. You had Boris Becker, Stefan Edberg. Um, Vlander, I believe, was still around in the late 80s doing some damage. So there were quite a lot of players in there. And at the time, we didn't look at it like, oh, what a weak era in men's tennis. I think we thought, hey, there's quite a strong group of players here that are trading off. So I hope that's the direction that we're heading in. But it's going to be hard for the media, especially like non-tennis media, to really capture that feeling and, mm-hmm. and try and sell it that way. Because I think they're just going to look at it and say, hey, no more big three at some point. What a loss for the sport of tennis.
0: Yeah, and uh, we have to look at the positives, which, as I said to Steve, I think Tennis Channel is doing a great job of just capturing these new storylines and learning more about these great players. And uh, just to go over to the women's side, for example, like Anja Bird, to me, that's just a phenomenal story to see a lovable player like this break into the top 10 and, and kind of carrying the pressure of a region on her shoulders and performing at such a high level. I, I think these are the stories we have to tell.
1: And selling tennis in in different markets, in new yep. markets, non traditional markets, or maybe markets I should say we're not as familiar with. And so for Anjabur, what a story! You know, much in the way that Naomi Osaka has made tennis explode in Japan, mm-hmm. Anjou is doing that in the the Arab world as well. And and Cam Nori, I mean, for the Brits who have had success, obviously uh, with Andy Murray, but who would have thought this year, uh, Cameron Nori winning this big title, and of course Emma Raducanu winning the US Open. So it is cool to see tennis hopefully getting that boost in these other parts of the world. And it, it fluctuates. I mean, look at a place like I always think of Sweden back in the 80s, who was so dominant, the, the 70s and the 80s, and have had such a tough go in recent years. And it ebbs and flows, even us here in Canada, who are entering what we hope is uh, the, a golden age for the sport. And we're already seeing the benefits in our country. Course, um, with more people on the tennis courts, more people picking up rackets, more people listening to our podcast. Um, So there's all sorts of benefits that that places are going to see like that. So you know that's fantastic. And and to get back to your conversation with Steve, and to tie that in with Canada, uh, nice to hear uh, some positive words uh, from him on Layla Fernandez and some encouraging uh, words as well about uh, Jeannie Bouchard, who we hope to see back on court, uh, if not at the tail end of this year, more likely uh, for the start of 2022.
0: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful news to hear. It sounds like she's keen to play world team tennis again, which if I'm recalling um, in the pandemic and when we spoke to her, I think it was July of 2020. It was right around Canada Day and it's wild to think in the sense of where she was at that time, speaking with her, we were asking like, how are you going to rebuild your ranking? What's, what's sort of the plan right now in your career? Cause she was outside the top 300 and, um, she really catapulted that summer. She had an amazing run. I remember a WTA final for the first time in about five years, another quarterfinal in clay, I think in Prague. And then she carried that over in 2021 at the front end of the year. You know, she made that final in Mexico as well. So, um, I, am not being like a homer or having genie bias when i'm saying she was legitimately playing very very good tennis i would say like you know top 75 borderline top 50 tennis and then a shoulder injury just set her back um, but i i have the belief that this, the level is there she's 27 years old she's not an old player that there's time for her to figure this out yeah, she's definitely
1: much younger than you would guess, given how long she's been on the landscape, especially here in our country. But she was making gains. Absolutely, she was making gains. And there was so much positivity. And even when we last saw her at the um, you know, then Rogers Cup, now National Bank Open in Toronto a couple of years ago, she was putting in the time on the practice court. Yep. So it didn't surprise me that things were starting to turn for her. Now, look, Steve did mention, I'm not sure if I heard him right or not when I listened earlier but did he say he thought she could win a major? Did I hear that? Or um...
0: I think he said a major title, and I'm not sure if he meant by that as like an actual slam or just like, or a, big a, WTA, like a big WTA tournament. Okay,
1: fair enough. Or fair yeah. enough. I wasn't sure how, how carried away he was getting there after spending some time with her this week. But great to see that she's getting ready to come back, that she's hungry to come back. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't doubt that she could nab another WTA title. Um, And I definitely think she could get back to the top 50, given how she was looking before this unfortunate uh, shoulder injury uh, came up on her
0: yeah yeah I think for her health is really the biggest thing at this moment I'm just touching again on Spain's Paula Bedosa a lot of parallels between her and Cam Norrie that I looked And Bedosa finished 2020 ranked number 70 in the world and we saw this great clay court season from her and I sort of put in my head well you know I think I think this is a very good clay court player she seems to acclimate well to the surface but for her to carry over this season and win her biggest title of her career at Indian Wells I certainly didn't see that coming um resiliency is so strong with her and then that finals match against victoria azarenka three hours four minutes is being talked about as one of the matches of the year so another player to track um i, I really like her game and her just compete level and spirit
1: yeah and absolutely uh, what what a fantastic tournament i mean when you look at the players she beat holy smokes what a list of players she had to go through from the get-go with diana Yastremska, Coco goff and then it really ramped up. Krejcikova, Kerber, yeah. uh, Anjabur, who's been, who's got the most match wins of anyone on the women's tour this year, and then Azarenka. That to me is a super strong group of players to beat for that title. And I mean, not taking away from Cameron Norrie, but he didn't have that same level of player to to face on route to his title. Mm. What Bedosa did to me was even more incredible just given the strength of those opponents.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. And uh, she's rising to number 13 in the rankings and now another player who is in that finals race for the WTA finals of Canada, but I believe she's number 10 in the race. So that's going to be a very interesting final eight, I think on the women's side who we end up seeing, um, Another question I guess I have, like, are we going to see Naomi Osaka at that event? I don't believe we're going to have Ash Barty competing. It sounds like she's shut down her season. So it could be a pretty wide open WTA finals um, come the end of the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there might be some players that say, you know what, this year has been a grind in so many ways. Um, You know, we're still in the pandemic still affecting people, um, you know, players who've, who've had COVID, coaches who've had COVID, uh, the the travel restrictions, all the extra things at tournaments, being away from home for so long, not maybe having had the chance to see their loved ones the previous year in 2020, like all these things are factoring into these tennis players who aren't yep. robots, right? They're mm-hmm. people like you and me, and I can totally appreciate needing the the downtime. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's more players that say that's enough for me in 2021. And I'm going to come out stronger in 2022. And yeah, hopefully some of the players you just mentioned, like Naomi Osaka who recently celebrated her 24th birthday, I believe um, you, you want to see someone like that back on court and, and feeling good about things off the court as well, because she's a player that just brings so much positive stuff to tennis, not just with her results in the game that she has, but just what a global superstar she is. And, and through talking about her mental health challenges, how, how that's just been so relatable to so many of us, I feel like over the course of, of this ongoing pandemic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. You are listening to match point Canada, the official podcast of tennis Canada. You can find us on Twitter at, at match point can we're on Instagram match point Canada. We're also on YouTube and Facebook. You spoke to, for me, the best fan of this event. And uh, one of the best, tennis Twitter follow follows honestly, because she's just clearly so passionate about the sport and she, you know, lives and breathes tennis and uh, spends all her hard money harder money going to events like Indian Wells. Um, you had a great conversation with Lawanda, who was really making headway this past couple of weeks, somehow always navigating and finding the perfect spot to land a selfie with all these tennis superstars. Um, oh, she's so, so skilled, so skilled. I got to say
1: she <laughs> knows the, the places to go to and the spots to be at and and if you're a super fan, you know the sport. You know where to go and you know when to go there. Yeah. And uh, I think LaWanda could survive just on her first name alone, but LaWanda Watts. And, uh, you know, we connected, I feel like, earlier this year on social media. And uh, I, I think she was following me or maybe I was following her first. But regardless, she tweeted something out about looking for new tennis podcasts, And I kind of chimed in there and I'm like, <laughs> well, hey, come on over and, and check, us, check us out if you're looking for some Canadian content. But more than that as well. And she did and was very complimentary. And so when I saw her all, all over social media and with that feature on the tennis channel about her uh, status as selfie queen, I said, I got to reach out and, and we got to chat with her for something a little bit different, something fun. And so here have a, a listen to my, my chat with Lawanda Watts. Pleased now to be joined by the queen of the Indian Wells selfie and tennis super fan Lawanda Watts, uh, a very established, household name on tennis twitter and I think that's really cemented now with her uh, presence all over the grounds in Indian Wells Uh, welcome to Matchpoint Canada
3: hi thank you thanks for having me
1: Uh, I feel like um, if you weren't known before on tennis twitter you certainly are now you covered so much ground during the tournament what was the experience like for you at
3: Indian Wells this year Well, you know, I I never, first of all, I never expected to go in and get all these selfies. It was just kind of surprising, but um, it was, it was much, it was like half the people there. So it was much quieter. And, um, and we, it was unusual not having the kids, you know, and that was another thing. But um, I, I got there Monday morning, the 4th, when the tournament started. And I first saw Francis TFO practicing. And then I got a photo with him, and then I just started walking around. I walked around to the area where the players are practicing on the grass, or walking on the grass, or through the gates. And it was just like player after player to player, and it was, it was incredible. I mean, I always get a few selfies every tournament I go to, but this was just,
1: <laughs> I next mean, level, unbelievable. Next level. Next yeah, level. Yeah, it looks like the access was, as you mentioned, players everywhere around the grounds. Yeah. Um, has it always been selfies for you? I know some people seek autographs, some people maybe just, you know, a quick uh, sort of conversation with a player. Is the selfie the thing that you've always looked for when you approach tennis players?
3: I used to get a lot of autographs, but that was, you know, before. I've been going to tennis for, you know, many, well, aging myself, but for several decades. And I've had so many autographs. I mean, I probably have um, 25, 30 Rafas and, who knows how many Rogers and Novak's and all those, I had their autographs over and over again. But then I decided, you know, I wanna get something that's gonna be more memorable. And i was seeing the kids were doing the selfies. So um, I was trying to practice doing the selfies, which I wasn't very good at at first. And I was cutting myself out They're pretty hilarious.
1: <laughs> well, you seem but like you're an established pro now.
3: To- yeah, I actually had a player teach me how to do selfies. And that was Miss Alzarenka.
1: <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Was there a was there a particular player or maybe a couple of players that you found super approachable? I mean, it seemed like they were all willing to to get up close with you, but any in particular that stood out?
3: Um, I mean, they're all very friendly. I mean, uh, you know, Cinner was always at the he always came out to the, to greet the players. Master Keith's always, he's always person is always gonna come. Uh Anshabar is very nice. Um Rubloff, uh, actually, you know, he came out every time he came out, too. Um, boy, you know, that most of them work. Uh, Coco came, you know, and uh, Steph, a couple of times he didn't come in. When he did come, he stayed for, like, half an hour signing and uh, taking photos. And I actually didn't get my photo with him at that time. I got him another time when there was just, like, a few of us around. So, but uh, most of the players... I mean, 99% of players, they always say yes, you know, so. And, they must, very they, nice must, and uh,
1: they must get to know you, I would imagine, seeing you mm-hmm. through the course of the tournament and maybe at previous tournaments as well. Any of them see you and give you sort of a thumbs up or a, hey, how you doing, that sort of thing?
3: Uh, yes, uh, Madison did. Uh, Vika did, because guess she knows me. Um, let's see who else. Oh, um, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> there was, there were, but there were a few, yeah, they... They seem to get some. Remember I'm surprised that they remember me, but they do. You
1: no, know, I'm, so, I'm not at all. Um, yeah. You got any tips for people out there listening, whether it's kids or adults who want to get a selfie with a player or an autograph with a player? In terms of being at the right place at the right time, or, or what the right approach is with these players? Well,
3: first of all, you know, depending on what tournament you're going, find out where the players, uh, you know, come in and out or leave from practice. And most of the time, the best time is when they're leaving from practice. When they're going to practice is they usually don't. But I mean, you can, you can always ask. There's no harm in asking. Just ask politely. Do you have time for a photo or do you have time for an autograph? And they say, no, don't be. And then it's just, or they're in a hurry or sometimes they're even on their way to a match. Some people don't realize that. They're not checking the schedule. No, no, they're on the way right to a match. So it doesn't hurt to ask. Are you gonna get a yes or you're gonna get a no? Don't be upset if you get a no. Uh, try again. You probably might make it a yes the next time um also always thank them after they've done it and a lot of people just thank you just take the bye right, or get right. the autograph but you know I always thank them I always thank them thank you for coming thanks for coming over thanks you know
1: and so, so. some good advice that's my approach when trying to get guests on the podcast is you know I'm just going to ask <laughs> and if they say no so be it and always yeah. thankful afterwards too of course um yeah you uh, received some attention from the tennis channel and and our podcast is part of their podcast uh, tennis podcast uh, network how did that come about and uh, what was your reaction when you saw that you're all over tv getting such um, such uh, well-deserved i should say attention
3: well first i didn't know they were doing it until i was walking i had just arrived that saturday morning and i was walking by the area of Indian wells would have the big screen in the middle And they showed Tennis Channel on there until the matches start. So I hear Tennis Channel going on, what they're going to show that day. Uh, They're going to talk to uh, Anna Bonovich, and they're going to do other things. And they say, we're going to uh, feature the selfie queen. I go, what? (laughs) (laughs) I had no clue until that moment. If I hadn't passed by, I don't think I would have known until probably Twitter blew up.
1: But when you heard the selfie queen, you knew it was you, right?
3: Yes, because... because, um, I should back up because I, I know Chandra Rubin was looking at was looking at some of my selfies but I had no idea other people from this channel were until Lindsay Davenport stopped um uh, a few it was like about a week before that she was on she was walking by and she stopped and said to me I love your selfies I, you know, I was like I'm so what Lindsay Davenport and um so I said, well, you have to be in them. So I went over and took a photo with her, which is of actually course, one of my most of uh, favorite photos so far. Um, and so, so anyway, I hear this, I'm going to be the, on tennis. Show. So there, you, uh, you've been in the emails, right? And so, you know, their booth is like right above upstairs. You can see the window where they're broadcasting from. So I look up there and I go, is it me? You know, I am pointing at myself saying, is it me? Is it me? I just want to make sure it wasn't someone else. So um, Steve Weisman sees me and he turns around, he, he signaled to me and he wants me to take a selfie with them from the lawn. I'm sure you saw that photo. So he backed up and I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm talking to them. There's people at the water fountain which is right in front of us. And these people think I'm talking to them. They think I'm nuts. But um, so I, I backed up and we took that selfie where I'm outside the window. That's dumb, great. So. You know, Steve
1: Weissman, I don't think I mentioned to you, but Steve is yeah. our other guest on the podcast this week. So uh, the two of you are our, our headliners this week on Matchpoint Canada.
3: Oh, great. That's yeah. fun. What's so.
1: What's next for you in terms of, of tennis? Indian Wells is over, of course. What a great experience. Do you have any other tournaments on the horizon or will it be 2022 until you next make an appearance as the selfie queen at, uh, at a tournament site?
3: <laughs> I think, well, for sure. Of course, Indian Wells March 2022. And I had to wait so long this time, only five months. Um, I don't have anything this year. I mean, I the Lens Tournament in Austria invited me to come, but it's it's November, I believe it starts November 6th, so it's just a little too soon, you know, for work and for also my dog who might leave me if I, <laughs> if I take off for another tournament right away. They invited um,
1: you to come and uh, and and be a spectator and, and and be on site, is that right?
3: Yeah, yes. That's they got awesome. free tickets, they're gonna give you free.
1: Very nice. Right so they did like,
3: on Twitter. So I told might come next year. We'll see. I've always wanted to go to Austria. So well, look for Austria. those who
1: don't follow you yet on Twitter, and yeah. you've certainly got a, a quite a presence there. It's at LaWanda fifty, and I definitely recommend that our listeners check you out. And uh, LaWanda Watts, thank you so much for taking the time after just wrapping up your, your busy time at Indian Wells, and we love your passion for the sport. Uh, and its personalities. And you've definitely cemented yourself as one of those sports personalities uh, around tennis, I'd I'd have to say. So thanks for sharing your story and uh, look forward to
0: seeing who your next selfie is with down the
1: road.
3: Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: Take care. There you have it. Mike's conversation with Lawanda Watts, who I encourage you to follow follow on Twitter. It's at Lawanda 50. You go through a page and you feel like she's a tennis journalist covering this event. It's so much great footage, like practice footage of Paula Bedosa gearing up for the finals, um, you know, men's doubles final that she's covering, getting great footage, points, all of it. Um, and she's just a super fan.
1: I love yeah. it. I got to say, I'm a little bit jealous and Lawanda, I'm sure you're listening to this, but only in a good way, because uh, you know, Ben and I have covered a ton of tournaments this year, but virtually for the most part, well, all, all of them actually. And I miss running around the tennis grounds and I miss hunting down those. I mean, not selfies for me, but just getting those pictures for the podcast or for an article I'm working on or whatever the case may be. And, and it's a skill, it's an art form to be in the right place at the right time and have the right vantage point. And uh, she does it so well. And I, I just love the positivity. It's a great story. It's nice to see the positive side of Tennis Twitter. And, um, and I just I love her attitude. And no, no doubt the players want to come over and, and take those selfies with someone who's just flashing that big grin. And that's what she did. I mean, we talked on Zoom, so there was the video uh, option and just smiles the whole chat. And you could just tell she's just sending out those vibes of, of loving everything good about the sport.
0: Yeah. And it's very suitable. I should say that, uh, Steve Weissman and the tennis channel live crew, along with uh, Shonda Rubin and James Blake, they have a selfie with Lawanda, like way in the background behind their tent where they're set up broadcasting. She's kind of waving in the background. So very cool that both of our guests are actually technically in a photo together from Indian Wells, (laughs) um, this past tournament. So that's, that's great. Um, before we wrap, just kind of looking at the end of the season, what we have coming, um, I, I know, the tennis season really changes when all the grand slams are in the rear view mirror. It was a tr- strange time to see Indian Wells, but for me, the two events I'm looking at right now, Davis cup and Billy Jean King cup.
1: Yeah. We've got some great international competitions coming up and certainly from the Canadian perspective, um, going to be fun to see what our two squads can do. The, uh, women's squad at the Billy Jean King cup are shorthanded with Bianca Andreescu, um, quite a while ago, deciding, Uh, She was going to focus on off-season rest and recovery. And just recently, Glenda Annie Fernandez doing the same, which shouldn't be surprising given her run at the U.S. Open, Um, you know, how much gas is left in the tank there for her. So missing our two big singles guns, but a great opportunity for Rebecca Marino, who's had Mm -hmm. some great results this year, to sort of take charge for Françoise Abanda, to get some time on court, she's repped Canada many times in the past uh, for Gabby Dabrowski, uh, as well our double stalwart, and to see Carol Zhao back in the mix as well. So obviously not the same level of impact in terms of the singles game there that we could have if we had all hands on deck, but I think a squad that shouldn't be taken lightly. And on the men's side for Davis Cup, um, I haven't seen who's committed or not committed at this point, but given the success we had there just two years ago, um, I think expectations are going to be high for for the men
0: yeah and, and I'm hoping we get those major commitments seeing you know Vashik and Dennis and Felix I, th- I think that would be huge um, from my understanding we haven't heard anything from Milos Raonic's camp in a while so I'm gathering he's certainly shutting down the season and hopefully regrouping and getting healthy maybe he's good to go by 2022 but yeah a lot of great memories from 2019 when that crew made the finals um, so it's certainly conceivable again if, if they can uh, line the squad up together and do some damage uh, you have been listening to Match point canada thanks to steve weissman and lawanda watts our guests this week guys we will talk to you next time